Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today's message, I think, is going to be uh, a lot of things, but one of those things is that Christianity is about growing and learning. You know, faith is actually progressive. And um, it's something we grow and mature in. The Bible tells us, you know, Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just is like the, the shining of the sun that shines ever brighter under the fullness, the perfect day. And it's just like, we grow in this walk. There's progression, there's growth. You know, the righteous man can fall down seven times and get back up seven times. That means it's like you're never disqualified. There's always forward progress and movement and growth and understanding that we're called to step into. And I will confess, kids, um, all of us grown-ups are very much still in the process of that growth as well. Amen. We're all still learning. The depth and breadth of God's understanding, wisdom, and love is so outside of the human ability to comprehend fully that we're all continually grasping it on a greater measure and level to the degree that we're actually following Him and walking with Him and doing what you guys are doing in your class, learning to hear God's voice. Amen. It's true. It's what the whole new covenant was actually about. When you see it prophesied throughout all of the Old Testament scriptures, it was redemption and cleansing, yes, but it was a relationship restored to every single believer. Amen. It cannot be broken. Theologically, it cannot be argued. Somehow it is, but it's like it's easy to shoot way down. But it's like the voice of God. Jesus said though, that his sheep know him. They know his voice and they follow him. So kids, just like what you guys have been learning you know, about hearing God's voice, about the ways that He speaks, and this reality that He's always with you, that's actually what we're learning about constantly. And we teach many of the same things you guys learn. Mr. Todd's been teaching you, Miss Cat, Mr. Steve, the balloon man, uh, has been teaching, you know, all these things. is this reality, right, that... At one point, man was on the earth in this perfect garden, and there was a forbid there was a tree of life in the middle of the garden, but there's also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was actually poisonous. And mankind, Adam and Eve, they chose to eat of that fruit. But what it actually did is it poisoned our minds. And then man started to see God as both good and evil. The yin-yang symbol. They, used to, they started seeing him through a grid that was not true. They started to hide from him. They sewed up fig leaves to make bikinis and mankinis and feel ashamed. All these dark things that came in through the fall. Everything that's dark came in from that tree. All of the sicknesses and diseases in the world, all the sadness, depression, the anger, the rage, territorialism, all these things are the fruit of that poisonous tree which spread throughout all mankind and caused man's mind to be limited. Man, humans used to walk with God in the cool and the spirit, and they, they walked in this garden that was like a heavenly garden on the face of the earth. And they were given this mandate to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the entire earth. In other words, stretch Eden out, this heavenly garden, all over the entire world. But when man chose to obey the serpent, the nakash, the bright shining, the, the being that, you know, that, that tempted him to eat this fruit, he gave the keys of his authority over to the bad guys. 
But luckily and so wonderfully for all of us, God became human and manifested himself amongst us. And he walked this perfect life out in demonstration of what it looks like to not be affected by that fruit of judgment between knowledge and good and evil, the legalistic mind that was religion embodied. And Jesus walks around and he gave us all a message, which is the message your adults have been focusing on for a long time and probably always will. His message, just like his dreadlock cousin, was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you guys, do you know what that means? It's like heaven's back. Heaven's here and heaven is now and it's released again. Just like it was in Eden. So repent. Now we've always been taught repent means you've been doing some naughty things and you need to stop doing those things. And that can kind of work. But that repentance that Jesus and even John were talking about, it means to change your mind. Change your direction and have a mindset change. And he didn't necessarily just say repent of your, of your naughty deeds, me, being mean to your siblings and whatever else, you know, being, being naughty. He literally said repent for the kingdom is at hand. In other words, have a mindset change, this, ju- this system of works, of knowledge of good and evil, of earning your way back in. It's like, hey, it's alre- you're already released to go back in. To some, it's controversial, the religious mind. But again, I can blast holes in that all day. I'm not here to do that. Bang, bang, but you know I like to. But I'm built for that. I've been created for that. So anyways, but I got this as a kid's service, right? So it's like, the reality is, repent, change your mind. The kingdom's at hand. They were asking John the Baptist who is baptizing, right? They're like, man, are you, are you this, this Messiah, this son of David, you know, this... God's son in the earth are you all these things are you the prophet he's like I'm not these but the one who's coming after me I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes the real one you're talking about is already here he's already amongst you so here he is saying the kingdoms of heaven of heavens at hand and he knows that the, the king is already here no one has realized this it's already here And it's a mindset change away. It's coming out of agreement with the poisoned mind of judgment into the the agreement of the love of God and His acceptance, which transforms people's life. It's the kindness of God that leads to the repentance, to the change. It's, It's really wonderful. It's absolutely incredible. So what we feel like as all the adults and everybody in this world um, that's following Him is... He's teaching us to believe this truth. He's teaching us what it really means to repent. He's teaching us what it means to have a changed mind and to think like Him, to see like Him. I love one thing that Jesus said about His words, because that's what, that's what we teach a lot here. That's what our kids, are, you guys are all learning. We're learning how important it is to have a relationship to God and learn how to listen to His voice, the ways that He talks to us, you know. Not only, I mean, through the Bible and the Scriptures coming alive, you know, but his still small voice to you, the pictures, the, the visions, the dreams, all the different ways he spoke to the, through the entire Bible that we teach so thoroughly on that you could, even a lot of the kids have these experiences and blows the parents' minds, and I love that. Um, but Jesus said something in John 6, verse 63. He says, he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 
And that's a beautiful quote right there. See, we're learning to walk where Adam and Eve kind of dropped the ball, right? Who were supposed to cultivate this heavenly atmosphere and, and subdue the earth. It's, it's a war term, actually. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. In other words, bind the darkness of the earth by extending heaven over it, Eden over it. They walked in the spirit, and when they ate this poisonous tree, they, their minds were blinded from it. They couldn't see it anymore. They became carnal. But Jesus has given us this key, and he's telling us, man, my sheep know my voice, and my words to you, they're actually spirit and they're life. And there's one big mistake that a lot of people make about spirit and natural. is like a lot of times I think we think that the spirit realm is not quite as real as this place, you know? But the Bible says that's completely backwards. That this place is not as real. It's not that it's not real, but it's not as real as the Spirit. Amen. And God is Spirit. You know, this is Hebrews 11.3. You know, it's like, by faith we understand that the world's, this planetary system, everything we see, some people call it a matrix, was framed by the Word of God so that we understand that which is made was created by the unseen. In other words, the unseen, the Spirit, the the Lord of heaven, God of heaven, like God who is spirit, who we worship in spirit and truth. This reality is more real than the temporary reality we now live in. That's some real rain coming down on that one. Um, and it's a great thing. But Jesus is coming and saying, hey, do you want to learn how to live this reality into the earth? It comes by hearing my voice. His word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. My word is spirit, and it is life. In other words, spirit, remember, is more real than the natural realm. That which you see with the eyes of your heart is more real. That which you see in the voice of the Lord Jesus, the things he communicates to you, is actually more real than that which you sometimes can see with your natural eyes. And this is what it looks like to actually walk by faith to trust in what He shows you, to trust in what He sees you. I think the message of the day for all the grown-ups and all the kids is like, if, if the Lord Jesus truly speaks it, you can have it. If He demonstrates it and shows it to you, it's yours to take, you know. And His words, it's just like we talked about, you know, the paralytic coming through the roof. That's like a roaring rain. Amazing. We have a tin roof. And uh, it, it, yes, it's like, it's, it's like a paper thin tin roof today. But it's like this reality that Jesus is called to step into, just like the man who was lowered through the roof, who he literally said, hey, son, your sins are forgiven, who didn't repent. He just showed up. But he did so as a demonstration to all the people that were there to show them what God was like. What's easier to say? Get up and walk, or your sins are forgiven. But so that you know that that's real, get up and walk. And the man walked out of the building. So today, in kind of closing, and for our family service, if I can, if I can yell it loud enough, um, for our kids' service, I wanted to tell a quick story in John chapter 5, where Jesus comes and he demonstrates this reality, that if Jesus says it, it's more real than whatever you see with your eyes. And so John 5 is literally the story 
about a man, or it starts off, about this man who was paralyzed. And he was laying on his mat like a beggar because that's how they got, they didn't have jobs. That's how they got their money, right? And um, he was laying around this pool called Bethesda. It's probably bigger than a, swim, a regular swimming pool, but it's a pretty good sized pool. And where a lot of the people that were injured or, or paralyzed or couldn't, were disabled, they would all lay around it. But it's cool in this story because there was this belief about this pool that it was almost like this mystical, magical place that an angel would come out of heaven and he would stir the pool up and whoever got into the pool first would be healed of whatever, whatever injury or malady or whatever problem that they had, you know? And so, historically, they believed it was an angel named Raphael that was one of the good angels, one of God's angels, and he would come and he'd stir this water and whoever got in first, boom, he was healed. And now it's in our Bible that they believe this, I'm not sure how true it is or not. It really could have been something that was, that was happening. Um, but there was all these diseased people. And so Jesus and his disciples come into town one day. And, you know, there's probably dozens and dozens of people laying on mats and things around the pool. Sick people. People that were beggars. And um, there was a great multitude is what it says. So probably hundreds of them. And uh, all hanging around by the pool waiting on that stirring of the water. But it says there was a man there who had a malady for 38 years. Like he was completely, had an infirmity and it, it, it rendered him paralyzed. He got sick or some type of disease that caused his body not to be able to walk. Right? And so Jesus was walking through his disciples. But in verse 6 of John 5 it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he spoke up to him and said, Hey, do you want to be made well? Which is a strange question to ask somebody who's really messed up in a bad situation. But it's very interesting. Do you want to be made well? Is it in your will? But the sick man kind of gave him an, an, an answer, but it was kind of an excuse, kind of a victim mentality. He said, hey, sir, I don't have any man to put me into the pool when the water stirred. But while, I, while I'm coming, another person steps down before me and gets in. And, and so in, in his mind, it was like, there's no way I can get in that, that magical water when that angel stirs it up first because I need somebody to actually pick me up. I'm fully paralyzed. So he's like, hey, do you want to be made well? It's almost like all these guys are sitting around trying to win the lottery, the healing lottery. If they think in this, this mentality of God, like he, he'll send an angel and kind of throw a bone in the midst of a bunch of little dogs and let one of them win. I'm like, ah, I got you one. You know what I mean? This cruel view of who God is that a lot of people still believe, this bipolar deity. And um, he's like, man, I don't have a man. I don't have a person to actually do this for me. Which I think is very important. You know, read between the lines for the grown-ups. But Jesus says to him when he says that excuse, I don't have a man to come put me in. He's, Jesus tells him straight up, get up and take up your bed and start walking. And it's like, he's been paralyzed for 38 years. You know what I mean? This is a guy in really bad shape. But it's almost like Jesus doesn't even listen to the excuse, the kickback that the guy spoke to him. He's just like, get up, take up your bed, and start walking. And he completely, it, it actually happens. It says, immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath day, which the religious leaders and rulers that were supposed to represent who God was, which they were truly representing him through that tree of good and evil, boy, they, did not, they were not happy about that. 
because they had rules back then on their on this, their church day was really a Saturday instead of a Sunday but it was like hey you're not allowed to walk a long distance or carry things around like that on Sabbath because you're not really resting because they took God in such a twisted way so they said to the guy who was cured hey it's a Sabbath it's not it's not lawful for you to carry your bed to which his answer is like hey somebody made me well he told me take up your bed and walk so I'm going to do what he says and not what you guys say. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to listen to him. Because what he told me actually worked. It was real. So they're like, well, who is this guy that says, take up your bed and walk? And this is really important for us all to see. He's like, I actually don't know who he was. So Jesus, who we know is God transformed, morphed, take, took on the image of humanity. You know what I'm saying? This, this Philippians 2 reality, like he's, he's transformed himself into a human. Like he's, he's in flesh and blood denying his deity, but that's actually the fullness of deity embodied. The fullness of God is literally walking around and he's doing things that are breaking what they thought were God's rules. But what he was doing is saying he was making that man completely and totally free. But not only that, he didn't even introduce himself to the guy. He just said, you want to be well? I do, but I can't, da-da-da-da. Okay, well, get up and do it. He didn't make a big show about it. He didn't get up on a, on a big chair like me and point down. He, didn't, he wasn't loud about it. He told direct, directly to that man, get up and walk. The dude got up and walked, was made well, and Jesus didn't even turn around, hey, by the way, my name's Jesus, and, and I'm a big deal. You know, He just like, oh, cool, man, see you later, and just, just wandered off, left him be. So strange. Didn't take a video of it to show at his next meeting to stir up faith. Now watch this, faith. Get your faith stirred up. I'm going to pray for you all after this, but watch it. You know what I mean? Didn't do any of those gimmicks, nothing like that. Didn't try to make his ministry big. Just walked away. You know? The religious people are like, you, should, you can't be walking with your bed. It's like, dude, I've been laying on this thing for 38 years. I'm out. I'm not playing, I'm not playing by y'all rules anymore because they didn't do anything for me. Didn't change any, they didn't change me at all. This guy says one thing to me and I'm better. Jesus' voice unlocks everything in your life. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And proceeds mean it continually flows. It never will contradict the Bible. Not ever will it contradict the Bible. But it does proceed and flow. You know. Yeah, man. It says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. So later on, he saw him in the Jewish temple and walked up into him. And I can't just imagine Jesus walking up to the guy and be like, look at you, man. Look at you walking on them legs of yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've never been able to do that for a long time, huh? Like, yeah, boy. Like, hey, man. And he saw him. He was like, dude, like, who are you? Thanks so much. You know. But he said, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. This is so beautiful for theological implications. You know? Sin no more. In other words, that man's health took a bad turn because of something he got involved with. And most scholars and you know, commentaries and probably adults can think about what probably that was. But his health... He was in extremely bad health because of some sort of sin that he was living in that produced something really bad in his life. 
and Jesus is like, all right, hey, and, and hey, by the way, you're looking great, doing good. But don't go back to what got you in that play, into that situation in the first place. And this is beautiful because there's, there, there is such a contractual mindset that comes from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Like, here's the deal. I'll do this, but you got to do this. You know what I mean? It's like Jesus, if, if, if God was contractual and not covenantal, he would have looked at that guy and said, ah, I see why you're down there. You don't think I know why you're down there? You did some dirty stuff, boy. You got into some dirt. You got some, that was naughty. That was gross. He would have felt shamed about it. I need you to feel shame about that. You know? How about this? If you promise me that you won't do that again and, and, and own it and admit you're that sinning, gross thing, I'll forgive you. And not only that, you know what? I'll, 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 take the, I'll take the sickness off you that made you be like that. Do we have a contract? Do we have a deal? That's gross. But that's not what God's heart is. It's a covenant. It is, I vow myself to you. It's not repent, and then I'll forgive you. It's, hey, guess what, guys? I fully and totally forgive you. But you don't know what I've done, and I know what you've done. And I fully, totally forgive you. And so, you should repent because the direction you're going is leading to where you've been getting. You feel me? This is, the, this is the covenant of God. It's filial. It's covenantal. It's a vow. And, he tell, and, and here he is preaching it, demonstrating it for all of us. I've come to heal you. I've come to heal humanity. Completely restore. This is my gift to you. It's called grace. It is release from the bondage of sin. It's release from the punishment. You know, repentance and the forgiveness of sins, you know, and the remission of sin, which means to take the, the effect of the sin out of the body. It's like, you're free. Hey, and by the way, don't go that direction anymore. Follow me. But guess what? That's what the man already did. He followed his voice. And it was simple. He took up his bed and he walked and it worked. And this is the important message of this day for all of us. It's like anything God tells you, anything God is speaking to you has, is, is directly related to your true inheritance, to your purpose, to your destiny, to you reflecting Him. And what does it look like to reflect the image of God? It looks like to not be in the state that that man was in, but to be completely whole and healthy and demonstrating. The thing I used to lay on like it was my crutch I actually picked that thing up and I removed it and I left and I walked it out. And it's a public display of the wholeness. We're supposed to be so whole and so healthy, spiritually, mentally, physically, all these things, that it, that it, is, it is an actual walking billboard of who Jesus is, of who God is and what he's done. And of course, the Pharisees got really mad about them, about Jesus doing that. And they're like, wait a second, so you're the one that did it? And they, they actually started to try to get him in trouble and try to throw him in jail over it and all this. It was pretty crazy. But he starts saying stuff about his father. He's like, well, you guys have these rules about the Sabbath, but my father's been working the whole time. So have I. Which is like, oh, Sabbath breakers. And you're saying God's a Sabbath breaker. And it's like, according to the way you've made these rules, yeah, you would define him as that. And man, they, they actually sought to kill him. 
because he made himself equal with God. But that's a beautiful part of the story that they didn't realize. The guy that wrote this book, this is the last book ever written. Some people say Revelation, some people say John. It's kind of a toss, but either one, they're both his books. I think it's this one. But it literally starts off was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is God, and He was with God from eternity. So here we see Jesus, who is God, actually is equal with God, always been face-to-face, pros with God, Greek. And, and this reality is like, hey, like He's on a level of authority that these guys could not put in check, man. And he was doing it to trigger them, to, to, to release them. And he goes on and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, and this is for all of us, the Son can do nothing of himself but whatever he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. It will show him greater things than these. For as the Father raises dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. And the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Man, I won't be too thick on this. Adults know it. But it's like the theological packaging right there undoes so much of the twisted, bipolar, bad theology that's preached throughout the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, man, his excuse, he was telling them, hey, by doing that, I was actually pronouncing judgment on that man, which is controversial. But my judgment for him was like, get up and walk and be free of the poison of that fall that's in your body. And you have the power to follow me and don't go back that direction again. That's your repentance. Choose to listen to me and walk this thing out for the rest of your life. Absolutely beautiful. The father's not judging no one. He's giving it all to the son to do. In other words, the father gives life to whom he wills. He raises the dead and the son gives life to whom he will. In other words, you talk about knowing God and you have all this, this theology about him and all these rules and regulations. But I do what he does. He gives life. He raises the dead. And guess what? The son does whatever he wants. Yeah, dude. I love that statement. I do what I want. I do what I want. <laughs> That's what Jesus is talking about. You know what I mean? Like, I do what I want and it makes you mad. That my judgment, all the judgments that's been given to me and I don't, I, don't, I don't judge him in the way that you think I was going to judge him. That's the real war. That's the real war. And he tells his disciples several, several you know, chapters later in the same book, written by the same guy who was Jesus' best buddy. You know, He tells them, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've been with you this whole time. If you've seen me, that's that John 14 verse, you've actually seen the Father. And so you hear this this voice of Jesus who literally back there in John 5 was saying like, hey, the Son does nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. And then you parallel with His words later on, hey, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And what He's, what he's telegraphing there like, hey, what you've seen in Me is, what, is you've actually seen your Dad. And guess what? Guess what that means? The Son is, is empowered to do what his dad does. And what does that mean for us? We have the ability to see God, to hear his voice, and follow him and do the things that he would do, to do the things that he shows us. In other words, if you see me do it, if you hear me, if you listen to me, if you hear my voice, you have full permission. You have full permission to actually believe that and actually walk it out in this reality. And that's faith. 
Hmm. It's beautiful. I think I'll stop. I'll probably stop there. Um, but it's it's so very simple. And as you know, even for all of our kids that are here, you know what I'm saying? It's like Jesus's words, the words of heaven, the words of the kingdom. It's something us adults have been talking about a lot. It's like this this chapter in Mark four. He says our actual being, our person, is made of that garden of Eden. We are made of the dust of the earth and breathed of the life of God, the Spirit of God. We're both, and uh, which is incredible. But we as the gar- we as like that garden have the ability to take his words and choose to come into agreement with him, believe them, and speak them in our life. And when doubts and accusations come to try to snatch those seeds away like a bird, we can shoo those birds off. When weeds and thoughts and cares and stresses kind of grow up in our garden to try to choke those seeds and those words that God's told us, we have the ability to remove those, those weeds and those things and those rocks out of our garden and choose to believe what God says. Because if you believe the things that Jesus says and you live your life according to his word, there's nothing that can ever stop you in this world. And even the destiny and purpose, the dreams of your heart, the things that make you tick since you were very little, even like almost like baby age, was actually created there. It's, it's in the spiritual DNA of your very dad. The things that make you come alive the most were put there by him to, 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 to gain fulfillment in him and to to lead you in this adventure of life to bear fruit and do the very single thing, the very thing that he told Adam and Eve back in the day, to be fruitful, multiply, and to take darkness and push it back off of the earth. That's what we're called to do. That's the, that's the Bible. That's, that's our prayer. Your kingdom come and your will be done. You know, another thing is, man, and you've heard me say this type of stuff a lot, a lot, especially the young people and even Christians that are young in life, but they have their whole world ahead of them, um, you'll find, especially on the charismatic, you know, spirit-filled side of the tracks or whatever, and even in the religious side, you know, there's so many people like that pool of Bethesda that are waiting for God to do something. They're waiting for him to send the, the mystical angel and stir the water, and they're just, well, I'm just helpless. You know, I'm just, but it's just like John the Baptist said. It's like, he's already here and y'all didn't know. He's already amongst you. He's already in the house where the paralytic showed up. It's like he was already there. You know, it's um, the kingdom of heaven is already at hand. And our ability to listen to, to his voice is the thing that causes it to manifest in our life. And to follow his path is that causes heaven's manifestation to come through our life. You know what I mean? And there's, there's so many, we're, we're waiting on a great outpouring of the Spirit, brother, amen, let's pray, and let's have worship nights all night long, and let's do all these things, you know what I'm saying, and raise all this money to do this and that, and it's just like, hey, it's so contrary to the gospel of this new covenant reality. And it's not being unspiritual, it's actually truly where all the true mysticism of this walk happens. And it's like, instead of waiting for something, waiting for a movement, waiting for a stirring, realizing that he's already here with us you know that the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand which means it's like it's actually here and you can't see it he told the pharisees in luke 17 the guys that were trying to get him arrested the absolute most they said well when's the kingdom going to come but that was the repentance it doesn't come with observation it's actually within you now he told that to the pharisees that never said the sinner's prayer that's controversial to some but what does that mean it's already within you. I've already done something. You can listen to my voice and turn 
from your way of thinking and start to live an unlimited life that's influenced by heaven and causes heaven to be released through you. And that's the reality of what we're all stepping into and what we're all walking, walking for and contending for and, and pursuing and, and walking in this relationship. He's, he's already here and our job is actually to hear him and follow in his voice. And that's why it is so incredibly important you know, to learn to hear him and to prioritize his voice above all things. All right. Well, good job, kids. That's really, really darn good job. All the kids that are in here, like, were so good the entire time. It's amazing. There's a round of applause happening over there I just saw. It was circular and everything. Whoa. Yeah. Seriously, you guys did a great job. You did better, if I could say this off the mic, than a lot of adults do. <laughs> Especially the religious ones that come in here. They float in and out, and they're constantly a disturbance. Don't tell anybody I said that, because it might offend some people, you know. Uh, but man, they're a disturbance. And you guys did a great job. So, uh, yeah. I love it. Lord, I thank you that your word is truth. And Lord, I thank you for what you said, that your words are spirit and they are life. In other words, they are more real. They invade this realm. And they're called to invade us in our life and become our life in such a way that heaven is manifested in our life. And I love it, Lord. I love that your faith, it comes by hearing. And hearing comes by this word, this truth, this reality, Lord. And I ask for everybody that's here and listening to this, if they can hear it through the rain, um, that we would so prioritize your voice and actually step into that truth communion, koinonia, that fellowship with one another and with you that, that we're called to step into. All right. Amen.